Okay, so here we go. Are you ready for me, Chris? I am so ready for you, Yosh. (laughs) I love when you're ready for me. Um, Okay, so Wag the Dog. Okay, I got to say, when I was putting this show together, um, I had Dogville and Dogtooth in mind. So basically, naturally, I had to find another movie with the word dog in it. Now, I thought of bringing in um, Forrest Whitaker and... um, Dead Cinema Society alum, director, uh, who did Dead Man. What's our friend's name there? Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. I thought about bringing in uh, Ghost of the Dog or Dog Ghost or whatever that movie's called. Yeah, Ghost Rider? Because we had talked about that. But um, ultimately, uh, I, I, saw, I came across Wag the Dog, and I saw Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, and I thought to myself, how have we never seen any Robert De Niro or Dustin Hoffman on this show? Well, I remember seeing this show, this movie in high school, like maybe freshman year. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, it's like, actually, that's kind of cool that a teacher would show a movie that maybe says, hey, you know, not everything is as it seems in the political sphere, young child. You know, think twice about what you're seeing. And then on the other hand, um, it's like, why would you ever show that to kids? Because it's so boring and <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. Um, I've only uh, seen one other film by Barry Levinson. I think it's Rain Man, which I remember liking. Um, but uh, this is probably my second time in his world. And this is one of the worst films I've ever seen on the show. I, I hated every single second of it. Um, Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman, even they weren't enough to make me enjoy this film. So with all that said, Yosh gives this film a 6.2. Ooh, shit. 6.2. Damn. All right. Yosh, who are you passing it to? Um, I pass it to you, Christopher. Oh, man. I had a very similar experience with this film, believe it or not. I saw this film in middle school. Uh, and I, too, was like, why are they showing us to this? This is, like, fucking terrible. I also had the exact same thing in this movie where I was so fucking bored the whole time. The saving grace of this film, which I uh, uh, very aptly put in, in our clip that we just showed, was the camera work and the way of editing around the terrible, mm. not even Mammoth-esque dialogue of this movie. Oh, my God, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I would give... This movie, A, 6.5. Okay. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the same, a little bit of the same. Here okay, who are you passing it to, Chris? I'm going to pass it to Paul. Because I feel right. like Aaron, Aaron's going to agree, so hold on. We'll see. You know, it's funny, uh, as you pass it to me, I, I, this is something, I wanted to do this a long time ago, and I never got to do it. So I'm, I think it's finally set up appropriately. <laughs> oh no <clears throat> let me let me clear my throat uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of uh of uh the guy from breaking bad uh what's his name the actor brian brian, brian cranston yes. brian cranston yeah. singing that song for some reason let yeah. me clear my throat. <laughs> let me clear my throat yeah one uh-huh. of the great uh-huh. uh yeah you two are um are not wrong so as the elder statesman of the show as the person who cycled through uh 
a little bit, a vestige of Vietnam history, who remembered a name like Norman Schwarzkopf, who assisted uh, General Westmoreland in Southeast Asia, and then carried his uh, supreme uh, generalistic powers. I don't even know if that is the adjective for general, but uh, let's just go with it. Um, to uh, Baghdad and opened up bombing theater like I have never seen bombing theater before. And I'll be uh, so for context for both listeners and viewers, do keep in mind that there was something called Operation Shock and Awe mm-hmm. many, many years ago, which predates a cell phone capable of giving you a visual on something, predates really internet. So you were glued to television. So yes, contextually, historically, this movie rings a little hollow. But as Yoshi pressed me at the beginning of this year, is this a movie that would stimulate me to do a little digging? Maybe not so much because I lived through this. However, it did stimulate me a little, so I would push out to both listeners and viewers to go back in time and remember Operation Shock and Awe, remember uh, the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal, uh, the sudden crisis in Kosovo, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, just to give this context, which I'm sure we'll delve into in oh, the yeah. show. But I have always wanted to do this. Pardon? Oh, and I just lost it. Here we go. So Paul is submitting. Oh, no. Don't tell me. It just, it, well, I'll vamp for a little bit. <laughs> Plus point six? Plus point six. That's what I was trying to, I was like, God, we got to see Wait. what I was hoping for is that I could, there could be two. So it got a 6.6? It got a 7.1. Oh. So a 7.1? No, 7. No, 7. no, that's a 6. That's a 6.5. That's a 6. 6. Plus a point, plus a point. So I was, what I was trying to do was you would you would post a, a rating and then you would follow it up immediately with a little helper to get it over the top because I want this movie to be a little bit more than a seven for discussion purposes and for people to go into things like mimesis and anti-mimesis and a lot of cool things that I think maybe we'll delve oh, into as we get into this. Man, Mime- bro, I'm, if you're if you're expecting me to bring you back to mimesis, you're on your own. So you got to you got to bring that back in your own at some point because I'm interested to hear oh what God. the hell that is. What no that problem. even? Is. What that's is that? This, that? That's my Larry Beinhart novel. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Wow. Okay, God. It, uh, we got to make sure to give Paul an award at the end of the year for most <laughs> books read based off of the show. He <laughs> reads a book for every read? single movie. We well, watched. Chris wasn't for you. Neither you or Chris were wrong. And I'm like, I know. And then, the, you know. Man so it was a 7.1 to... then? 7.1. 7.1. Okay, Jesus that's fair. Christ. That's fine. Okay. All Aaron, right. what, after that 30-minute um, debacle <laughs> by Paul, <laughs> what do you rank it, like, Aaron? Unsubscribe, 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 unsubscribe. Can I just like hit us with a ranking and like just, no description? Just, just give me something. <laughs> that's exactly Okay. Uh, uh, this is uh, Paul's saving grace. 7.5. Wow. Okay. 7. Yeah, 5. It will bring it into the sevens. And uh, hey, that's unfortunate. I mean, nice. hey, what better movie for the times we're oh in right God. now? Um, every other, any other movie is better. I'll oh, anything else. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I think no, but it's not, it's not that the subject matter, the subject matter is great. Yeah. It's great for the times, but the execution, in my opinion, is just like, like, like Chris said it perfectly, actually, like the writing was so bad, um, that I felt bad for such like amazing actors, such as yeah. Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro to have to juggle that garbage writing. And I yeah, I, I think the editing might've, the editing might've been, I didn't really notice that Chris, but that's a good point. 
All right, so the final score for Wag the Dog <laughs> is a 6.8. Yes, stays Fair. under a 7. <laughs> All That's right. That's good. 6.8. Okay, so um, so let's go here. Uh, Barry Levinson, is anyone, is anyone familiar with his work? Yeah, Diner is wonderful. A must-see. Diner? seen Rain Man. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? No, this is, well, maybe un- I probably didn't know I saw one of his films, but I don't recognize Barry. What about Rain Man? You never saw Rain Man? Yeah, I saw Rain Man. I really enjoyed that movie. Okay. Um, so, uh, Diner's good, you're saying, Paul? Yes. Uh, Mickey Rourke, Young Mickey Rourke. Ooh. Um, Steve Gutenberg, um, who is our uh, narrator from... What's Stand By Me? Um, I, I'm blanking right now. Steve Gutenberg, Stand By Me? Yes. No, 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 no. Bear with me. I, if I sit, I'm, and I'm working oh, on boy. communication because sometimes I'm unclear. So Mickey Rourke, comma, Steve Gutenberg, comma, oh. and the, uh, I thought the narrator for Stand By Me, but I'm, I'm getting to the, I'm quickly, quickly typing so that I can get to it because I, I love the actor. Uh, he Sleepers. Was yeah, he, he in, did uh, sleepers. He I did mean, Bucks. I was thinking Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, uh, Good Morning, morning Vietnam. Vietnam. Oh, I love that movie. Daniel Stern. Yeah. God, it was driving me nuts. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Kevin Bacon's in it. Tim Daly. Oh, it's great. It's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. he's done some good work. Do we yes. know anything about him? I don't know anything about him. He's still working. Still working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just uh, one of, you know, again, like a lot of, uh, well, I shouldn't say like a lot of directors, but I think uh, the guys who sort of uh, found their mark in the 70s and 80s, so like him, Robert Zemeckis, where they had those early movies that were great. Robert Zemeckis had used Cars, a comedy with Kurt Russell, um, Jack uh, uh, Jack Warden. Uh, Levinson had Diner, uh, had a follow-up, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Right, he directed that, which is uh, obviously Robin Williams, just yep. roll tape, um, yeah. and uh, Rain Man. And then you go through a chapter where maybe Hollywood needs, you know, the young auteur to handle whatever the theme is. And then these guys sort of get marginalized and you don't really hear from them for a while. Um, so, yes, yeah, so and then you, you get a movie like, you know, Wag the Dog, um, and it's like, well, is he the right director for this? It was a, uh, you know, this is something that I think it's probably this, probably what, you know, Aaron got out of this is kind of what I got out of. Like this really set the table for maybe to some degree, a very small degree. And I, I can't, you know, substantiate this, but like an Aaron Sorkin to write a sort of a very deaf political type uh, yep. setting, you know, a little uh, West Wing, uh, you know, for us to sort of look at uh, politics and news and how media can be controlled. I mean, you know, heck, so, uh, so uh, I want you to put in your pocket that M word you used earlier, because I'm going to come sure. back to you soon with that no and then whatever the hell I want to know what that's about. But let's open the conversation with just the one of the weird synchronicities of the film, which is that after this film was released, U.S. President Bill Clinton became involved in a sex scandal with Monica Lewinsky, which basically mirrored the film's plot. And, and this is one of those things where cinema, you know, like either dictates reality or, or mirrors reality in a weird way. And like it just it's just so weird that people just kind of go like, oh, that's just weird. And then everyone just forgets about it. But like like literally they made a movie about a president having sex with someone that wasn't the first lady. And then it happened in real life right after. 
and then we dive ourselves into a war right after the al-qaeda targets in the middle east like Uh which is and so let me i guess open the floor with this is is there any uh, let me phrase the question this way just openly the idea that there's been staged wars um has that is there any proof that that's ever happened yes and if so which ones the vietnam war well (laughs) that's not staged because it was really happening no but the reason the reason as to why we went there was staged yes uh but a staged war i mean people died but like the falkland islands was basically just like a britain is strong and we will never give up our colonies you know 50 years after they had been relevant on the on the world stage like that was more of a like a dick measuring contest. But anything. perhaps I guess really what the film's propagating is that there's absolutely scenarios where our government will say whatever it has to say to sell the ideal to the American public to get them into war so that they can either sell missiles, sell weapons, yeah. uh, sell tanks or uh, make money off of weapons by or make money off of infiltrating a country and, and setting up coups. This has happened time and time again with America. Yeah. And so this is why Aaron, um, you know, likes the film, I suppose, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to pass it this way, I I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, you think about people in 1997, this just kind of blew your hair back and you're like, what? No, I mean, this is just fiction, right? Like, this is just a movie. They're just playing around with us. Bit of comedy. But it, it's like no this is like a little peek through the crack of what is you know and to me it was it just was so absurd and and exciting to get into that mindset of like wow look at how much they're revealing and there's no internet you know well there is internet but it's not like social media like tweeting you know like what's going on here fact checking or any of that it's like you saw things come on the news like oh we're in war you're like oh we're we're going to war okay okay yeah What's this about? You know, I mean, you just your your news sources was so limited and it's very easy to control the population. So, you know, I don't know. This film just kind of had an endearing feel to it. I, I enjoyed Dustin Hoffman's character. Mm. How this this is his masterpiece. This is my life's work. I'm going to produce. I'm going to the the people don't even know. They're not gonna know. I get no credit. The producers get no credit. I love that, you know, where it's like, it's almost like an insight into maybe how producers feel about cinema in even today's time where it's like, do the producer, you and I, our show, we don't break down what the producer did for any of these masterpiece films. We don't give any credit to the producers, but look at what takes place behind the scenes to make this movie a reality. And I love watching a film about that where it's like no the producer doesn't get credit and yet they are pulling the strings and crafting this whole world for us you know i mean not really in cinema in cinema not so much as the director pulling all the strings this the producer might you know bring people together he might find the money where he needs to find the money and it's certainly an important job but as far as like real cinema goes, it's you're describing the director more than a producer. Well, yeah, and that's but, Robert but, De Niro's yeah. character. He's the director. They work hand in hand. That's but true. See, yeah, but because Dustin Hoffman's character is to almost a 100% degree real life producer Robert Evans, 
who served both as producer, but as head of production for Paramount and had film titles like The Godfather, Cotton Club, uh, Marathon Man, Cycle Through in the 70s. I mean, he had great sway over Hollywood. So Hoffman captures that essence. And I think there's an aside that, you know, Evans made. Yeah, I, I was really great in Wag the Dog as sort of his tip of the hat to Ho yeah. Hoffman for his wonderful impersonation. But Was that he murdered? <laughs> no, he was not murdered. I believe he just died of of old age, maybe a little uh, coronary issue. I'd have to I'd have to look age. that up. But no, he was not murdered. <laughs> he was not murdered. Sudden heart attack. <laughs> well, so so uh, uh, Chris, you you get you get something ready. I'm gonna give the floor to you in a second. Sure. I'm gonna go to Paul next with that M word. I want to get to, but just to clarify what I was talking about with Clinton before, just to get really into that, just how weird this is. When Clinton ordered, you know, the bombing attacks on Al Qaeda in the Middle East, uh, that was right after he testified. And it was just as Monica Lewinsky was set to testify on the scandal. And then later in December of 98 was when his administration led a bombing raid in Iraq right before the House of Representatives was set to vote on his impeachment. So, I mean literally what happens in the film quite literally happened right after is, yeah. is, is weird. So, so Paul, what was that M word you were saying? Wait, wait, that's exactly all. It, all it does is it just um, encapsulates what you just said. So is it, oh. is it a collection of artists imitating life or is it life imitating art? And this was the, you know, the, so this was, I, I know it was one of the philosophers. Let me just, I'm, I'm sure I'm safe. If I said it was Aristotle who said that, you know, we as artists are now imitating life. And then what came out over time, I think was, um, uh, was it Oscar Wilde who said, well, now I'm going to have anti-mimesis where it's actually life imitating art. And that's what's that duality here and the timing of these events. We don't know if it's life imitating art or art imitating life, because wow. this was a position that the Greeks had in the, you know, the early evolution of, uh, of life philosophy. So it, it's, I think that's what really is that like when somebody says okay wag the dog why would i need to see this because i was the guy going oh yeah as the elder statesman i actually saw this live this was not you know i wasn't shown this movie in class so i am curious what your response is the three of you is to it and it was you know heartening to hear aaron you know certainly compare it to where we're at today because there are elements of this movie that do work um but, you know, it, but it's been pulled off a lot better today with slicker production, better writing, yeah. um, and then the, the right application of that sort of dramatic talent. Paul, you literally pulled mimesis and anti-mimesis out of your ass and you guessed and it was Aristotle and it was Oscar Wilde. <laughs> wow. I still got it, man. <laughs> yeah. So used mimesis... to be, I used to put on airs. Now I still yeah. put on airs, but I actually can say the right thing. One out of That's right. <laughs> What's the etymology of mimesis? Mimesis is a Greek term used in literary criticism and philosophy that carries a wide range of meaning, including to imitate nonsensical similarity, receptivity, representation, mimicry, and an act of expression, uh, focusing on the presentation of the self. And so this is the word that is representing life, imitating art or art and imitating life in this yes. particular circumstance. Yep. Jesus. And then you have anti-mimesis, which is that art imitates life. Mm. Wow. 
You guys are okay. blowing my mind right now. <laughs> and we've got a Greek director coming up next. I wonder, you know. Oh, I wonder if he's going to bring any sort of heady oh. things or if it's just going to be a bunch of garbage. <laughs> Very interesting. Oh, my God. Chris, the uh, floor is yours. Yes. Uh, what, what, what am I talking about? Mimesis. <laughs> Mimesis. Mimesis. Uh, Mimesis. Well, I mean, do you, do you have anywhere you want to bring conversation? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that this movie suffers from that kind of it, it doesn't have enough mammoth and yet it has too much mammoth uh we just talked about mimesis i'm going to use the other m word mammoth uh david mammoth is known for having this huh oh okay okay yeah yeah the writer go ahead the poet and the and the playwright david mammoth if you've ever seen those ads for masterclass, whereas these big fucking glasses has a pen or pencil and a paper and is like all you need to do to write a a, a screenplay or a play is uh, two chairs and a piece of paper maybe a pencil uh and his entire thing is like he has very quick and choppy dialogue and one of the hallmarks of mammoth dialogue is that someone will be saying something to you and then they'll cut and then they're having the exact same conversation like going through a subway so like we we would be at a cafe being like yeah jessica and i just really aren't vibing at more and then it would cut and it would go to the subway and it's like well what's going on and it's well you know we're just not we're not you know vibing in the bedroom anymore and it's just like that I hate Mamet dialogue. There are people who are going to fucking lambast me in the comments. I welcome it. David Mamet is a fucking hack. I hate his dialogue. I hate the way it's structured. I'm talking in Mamet dialogue. Now imagine an actor trying to do this where you constantly have to be talking and the rhythm that you're talking at is this fast and you have to keep going because if you stop, you fucking die. Wow. Come on. Come on, I'm not, Chris. I'm not Spanish in, prisoner. Come on. I'm not in total disagreement with you. I, I'm not... Uh, Oh, go on, keep going. I don't want yeah. to take away from you. No, I mean that that that's it. It's it's it is this fast paced dialogue that wasn't present in the movie. We got a little bit of that with with the kind of uh, construction of the narrative in the beginning when they go to first visit Dustin Hoffman's character at his mansion of like, oh, I want him to say this. Oh, and then it's kind of like brainstorming. That works for that scene because it's a brainstorm. It's fast. It's quick. Everything needs to be like that. But then it just falls apart. The best scene in this movie is when they pick up Shuvin. When they pick up what? When they pick, pick up, up Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't even that was like Woody Harrelson was overacting. It was just like, man, I, I didn't I don't I didn't enjoy anything about this movie except for the shoes song. The shoes song was awesome. Shoes I love it. About Willie Nelson, man. Yeah, Willie's yeah. Good. He was he was yeah. like. He was okay. Yeah, whatever. He was just Willie stoned Nelson. out of his mind writing random songs. It's, but like, that's literally. an exact that Willie Nelson being in this movie and having no real role. Like that's how the whole film felt to me. It felt like like they were making this film with and they had like six years to make it. And once in a while they'd get up and be like, should we like do should we do one of the scenes? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just turn that camera on. Uh, okay. So, Dustin, what do you think what should we do here? Okay, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just start tap dancing over here. And then you guys, you know, you film me and then maybe I can go over there. It's like, it just felt like the whole movie was so like, uh, like, just like, make me care more. Make me care more. So, I, like, just, I disagree with the assessment. I agree with your feeling about it, though. I think, the, okay. I think, I think it was a very serious movie and everyone got their lines down. But at, at five o'clock when, the, you know, the whatever bell chimed of like, you know, oh, we're going to be going over overtime. They stopped immediately. No one gave a fuck about this movie. It was yeah. it was a paycheck. It was someone's like, oh, I work with Barry Leviston. I'm done. Well, I don't know. I don't know that you're right because I read that Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman 
both worked for free and they didn't make money until on the back end of this movie. They didn't have any upfront salary. And I also read that the two of them and Barry Levinson were called to DC to have a meeting with Clinton while they were in production of this film. And Bill Clinton was like, so what's this movie about to De Niro? And De Niro was like, he looked over to Levinson and, and then Levinson was like, and he looked over to Hoffman and Hoffman was like, and he started tap dancing. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I don't know how true that is, but I read that on IMDb and yeah. that's just, it's like, what, what what's going on here? Did um, Dustin yeah, Hoffman just, write that on IMDb? <laughs> Was, yeah, Dustin Hoffman definitely wrote that. He logs in every night and writes shit, shit about himself. Yosh. Yep. You know what's interesting is like uh, I'm re- remembering back to our Sal Landy acting days, and we would always do Mammoth scripts. Do you remember all the Mammoth scripts we got put into? I can't remember the titles, but I remember him. He would throw you know these novice actors into Mammoth. And it was incredibly frustrating because it was heavy dialogue. And and if you didn't hit your pacing, like it just didn't make sense. He's like, it's mammoth. You got to keep going. You know, I, I can remember him yelling at us like, yeah, you can't yeah. take your time with the script. You can't just chew on the words. Yeah. Fucking Ruthie, fucking Ruthie, fucking Ruthie. Come on. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, it's, American it's, Buffalo comes to mind. Yeah, um, the yeah but you can marriage. get that from from fucking uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 the, 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 the Tennessee Williams. That, yeah, that's punch. He's one of the we, three, four greatest American playwrights. Bar we none. did a lot more Tennessee Williams in that class too. And we also did lots of Sam Shepard and, and all these guys kind of have this like quick mm-hmm. meandering sort of mm-hmm. real ultra realistic dialogue. Yeah. And for me, that stuff's very hit or miss. I, I just read buried child by Sam Shepard. I know I was telling Paul about that and, and I, I've been talking to some of my castmates about it, and everybody loves it. It's like unanimously, everyone loves it. And I, I keep asking people, what's it about? And nobody seems to have an answer. And it's like, okay, so you just like it for what reason? Because for me, I finished the play, and I was like, that was just a whole lot of dialogue. Just a whole lot of dialogue, and I don't know where he was trying to go with it. Maybe I'm too dumb to understand, but for me, it felt... Get the button ready, Chris. Um, So why are we talking about David Mamet? He has nothing to do with this movie. We just he he wrote the movie. He came came in. He came in and cleaned this thing up and probably walked away with a paycheck. He has a writing credit on the movie. Writing credit. Come on. I I look right here. I'm on IMDb right now, and this doesn't say his name. Let me see. He's 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 in the writing credit. Was first written by the woman uh, Hillary something. Hillary Hankin. And then he came in, at, I think, at Levinson's behest. Harry Beinhart and Hillary Hankin. So they split the screenplay credit, which means he didn't oh, have to work to get a man. screenplay credit. He didn't do teleplay. He didn't do, you know, punch-ups where he wouldn't get a credit. He brushed he it He did up. enough. Yeah, yeah. Just read the book. The book is really fast. Oops, so sorry. are you reading it, Paul? IPads. I am reading the book, yeah. How many books do you fucking Well, I just get read, inspired, dude. you know. These are, you know, but I'm not, it's trust a, me, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm plodding through them. But I got somebody else thinking about Black Narcissus from one of our, from our last episode. Yeah. So they were they were quite fascinated with the history of melodrama, and they went down a rabbit hole. And how was Black Narcissus? Did you, it was quite it good, good, really good. I think FX the FX uh, series captured the essence of the book. Okay, so let's wrap this conversation up. I am going to just let's all briefly just give our last tastes on this film. If there's anything else you want to say, I will just rest my case with saying that um, I didn't laugh once. Uh, the girl annoyed me to hell. Like, 
no laughs no zero laughs like the gods must be crazy argument if you don't laugh during this movie then 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 it doesn't really work in my opinion i, I just the, the only saving grace of it the 6.2 all of that juice i gave it is only because all that juice all that 6.2 of the juice all that juice all that juice is is strictly because like aaron was saying the subject matter is uh, especially considering it hadn't been done before i can respect that you know that's being brought to the american public's attention that um politics really do work in the same vein as a hollywood production i would take i like to take that that comment from yoshi and connect it to one of our comments on our video saying uh help from hello movie lovers this film was mind-blowing to me in regards to the connection that it has to right now so thank you hello movie lovers okay can we before we move on can we just briefly does anyone briefly want to just talk about how it relates to right now i can i can do that right now uh do you guys remember when the whole uh obama fucking uh what is that? The birth, birth, uh, wow, birth document. <laughs> no, yeah, his birth certificate thing. Birth certificate, yeah, Hawaii. Oh. When did they release it? Do you remember? After he was out of office. After he killed Osama bin Laden. I don't think that necessarily it was, you know, faked or they didn't kill Osama bin Laden, but they definitely waited until they exactly had to. That is the only thing I will say. What's the relation that. there? Because uh, it's spin. It's, it's getting the public out of the mind. So like everybody, and this is why Trump was a thing. It was the, you know, the birther movement, you know, trying to get that uh, birth, uh, birth document. And they only released it in a kind of way that Obama could, where it was, I have this mic drop moment. I killed Osama bin Laden. The reason we're in Iraq and Afghanistan, I did this. And also I was fucking born here. Boom. So he gets to stack. He was born in Kenya? Well, that was that that was the thing that people were thought he was born in Kenya, but he was born in Hawaii and then moved to the Philippines when he was a young man. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that this is just always happening. I really do believe. Oh, I agree. A as tactic well, yeah. that's used over and over and over again to distract us. I mean, there are certain people probably watching this show right now who are chomping into bits saying, why don't you guys talk about COVID? Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that I align with that. I'm not saying the pandemic's not real, but it's certainly being capitalized on. And I believe that there's many other things that are capitalized on and served up as distractions so that we, you know, are not thinking about other things. For example, all the child sex slavery going on right now. You know, it's just like these things just get put right under the rug real quickly because there's bigger fish to fry. What bleeds is what leads. Aaron, Paul, any closing remarks? Well, obviously, uh, for you, Yoshi, uh, Aaron the, Paul. the penultimate <laughs> uh, political satire would be Team America World Police. Yes. Uh, we may get to that later on a DCS episode, but the, no, I think, uh, again, if somebody's looking for an up and coming writer, up and coming director is looking for a movie to glean a few elements for political, for his or her future political satire, they're certainly going to look at wag the dog. They're going to look, if they go back to the seventies, maybe a movie like the candidate, uh, parallax view. There's some really good political satires. I think elements of this will inspire him or her to write Obviously, the great political satire of 2022 or 2023 upcoming. That's a good point. I think that we can we can make a better version of this movie, and we can make it more modern, and we can really, really, really go for it. Aaron, closing remarks? Yeah, spice it up. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring attention to the title of this film, uh, Wag the Dog. I think that's a fantastic title, and like, props to whoever came up with that, because it's 
it's just such an interesting um what is that analogy i guess um an idiom, and it, what an idiom yeah an idiom yes i mean you know is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog you know um it's just interesting how manipulation is it has taken over our society uh for hundreds thousands of years and now people are taking the power back because we have the ability to communicate with each other on a mass scale that causes all kinds of things, positive, negative disinformation. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. You could literally come up and say some crazy shit about Pluto and a million people agree with you. And now you're a viral success making money about some bullshit. You came up with Pluto. It doesn't even have to be real. You know, but the interesting thing is we have everyone connecting now to build a mass effect checkers and to now check the government and say, hey, oh, what did you say about Albania? You know, it's like different types of journalism. It's almost like journalism on a scale we've never seen before. So wag the dog. Thank you for paving the uh, plowing the snow in uh in a direction yeah i like uh, that where we are i don't know absolutely and for the benefit of viewers and listeners dcs has believed now believes and will continue to believe that the earth is flat flat. oh my god (laughs) why wouldn't it laptop (laughs) (laughs) well with that rocket statement yosh do you want to move to dog tooth